Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It is the Monday show with me, Andrew Musgrove, and our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes. It is the week before the Premier League season kicks off and there is a ton of excitement for Newcastle United are flying high, unbeaten in pre-season, making moves in the transfer market. Set to sign Tina Livermento, who's completed his medical. He will become a Newcastle United player in the next few, hour, few hours. Aston Villa arrived at St James's Park on Saturday. I was speaking to fans outside of St James's Park over the weekend as the Seller Cup took place and everyone is absolutely buzzing for the new season and you can't blame them. Uh, a good weekend for Newcastle, beating Fiorentina, beating Villarreal, winning the Seller Cup. But you, Aaron, you weren't there. Yeah, unfortunately you missed it. Well, I say unfortunately, I was there. Watch my best mate, who's a big fan of the show, the Monday show. I'm sure I'll be listening to this. I watched him get married. Um, did my best man duties. Got that. Were you nervous? I was absolutely bricking it for my speech, not going to lie. But it went okay. It went well. Uh, great weekend. And yeah, I've... Uh, but to be fair, Seller Cup looked great. Looked really, really good. Um, Look, like it was a decent crowd, both games. Um, The players look, you know, as sharp as they can be, which is no surprise given that, you know... um. The shape they arrived back at the very start of preseason, let alone now, um, it's just whetted the appetite for for Saturday, hasn't it? It has, and yeah, it was it was a good weekend. It was a good test for Newcastle. You know, two decent teams, by no means you know uh, very good sides, but two decent teams. And what we saw from Newcastle was really the dilemma that Eddie Howe has ahead of Saturday, playing out in front of what in the end was about seventy thousand over the, the two days at St James's Park and. Eddie Howe must just be rubbing his hands with glee because he's got so many selection dilemmas to make. And this week, I mean, if you are Eddie Howe, this week is going to be so important. You're going to be on that touchline just watching the who's who ramps it up a level. Because for me, after the weekend, there's still only, I would say, five players certain to start against Aston Villa. Six of five in shares fit, which we it's not guaranteed he will be. Eddie Howe did say over the weekend that he, he's nearing a return to training, but then you have to ask the question, how far back has he fallen uh, after picking up that injury in America? Um, five certs, I'll go through them. Nick Pope, Sven Botman, Kieran Trippier, Bruno Gamresh, and Miguel Almiron. I think after that, it's very hard to determine what Eddie Howe will do. And it was reaffirmed by the performances, not only on Saturday, but on Sunday. And on Saturday, what you had... You had Elliot Arneson, Lewis Miley, Anthony Gordon, Alexander Isaac, Matt Target, all playing very well and kind of throwing down the challenge to the to the players in the same positions who you knew would play on Sunday. The likes of Harvey Barnes, Callum Wilson, Joe Linson, all took that challenge and ran with it and went up a level. And Eddie Howe just like I said, just must be sitting back thinking, I have not a clue what I'm gonna do on Saturday. But it's a positive dilemma to be in. Yeah, I don't think um you know, if we were to ask people on social media, and I'm sure you know people will let us know in the comments here what they think the start eleven should be. I don't think you'll get too many people agreeing with each other. You know, as you say, there, there's probably half a team where you could make an argument for two or three in each position. I think that midfield is a really, really interesting one for the weekend. Which two does you go with on the three? Who does you go without wide? Um, I think I agree with you that Miggy probably does start on the right. He's had a very good preseason. But just looking at the two teams that Howe used firstly on Saturday and secondly on Sunday, it was, you know, that is pretty much two start 11s. You could maybe argue one was a little less strong and maybe, a, you know, two or three more additions in the window. You've got, you know, two 
players in each position that you think could easily start a Premier League game. I really, really, really don't. Um, you know, I feel for Eddie Howe this week. I, you know, I, I don't envy the decision that he's got to make um, because I honestly, let's just say, there's there's just a couple of positions that you'd be really stuck on. I mean, that midfield is really interesting. Bruno, I think, I agree. Even though he's maybe looked a little bit off the pace in, in certain pre-season games, I think he starts. Do you give Tonali a little bit more time to bet in? Do you bring Longstaff straight in to start 11, even though he's only recently back to training? Anderson, surely he's got to start. It's it's just fascinating. But as you said, it's it's a it's a welcome dilemma and it's what Eddie Howe wants. He doesn't want these players to make it easy for him. We'll talk about that midfield three. We assume Bruno Gomes is just going to start because he's Bruno Newcastle couldn't find a way to win without him last season. And then, for me, it would be Joe Linson and Elliot Anderson. I tell you what, what else adds to this is that, really, you don't want to be facing Aston Villa. When you're making this decision and you're not certain what your best midfield is because everyone's playing very well, that's, that's a good thing. But also... You know, the previous two games against Aston Villa, yes, in America, and the one at Villa Park, they overran Newcastle's midfield. And it's not just about picking, you know, the right players about for Saturday. It, it, you, you're going up against a side who you know, if you're not at your best, they will, for the third time in a row, in my view, run you absolutely ragged in the centre of the park. Yeah, absolutely. I think Howell definitely have learned from those two games. I think more so the Premier League game back in, in March or April time. I think... There was maybe a little, a little bit of a cunning plan from how when they played in America last month, and he all of a sudden went to three at the back, and then we haven't seen it since. Was that maybe a little bit of, you know, trying to throw Emery off the scent? I don't know, but I think certainly they'll have learned from it. Aston Villa had a very good pre-season. They're looking like they're going to be challenging again. They had a very good summer um, in the transfer market. I'm going yeah. to say if that was a cunning plan. It was very much Baldrick-esque wasn't it? Because it yeah. just didn't work at all. Yeah. Like, if he's yeah. trying to throw Emery off the centre, I'm not really sure. Because yeah. then he's reverted to, to, to tight. But, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you look at it and you think, well, Tenali's cost you, what, 52 million, whatever it is. Surely he's got a start. But I don't think he does. I think he's still getting up to scratch. And we saw Eddie Howe over the weekend talking about how the Premier League's a totally different beast for, for Tenali, who has looked decent. I don't think he's looked great He's so sharp in passing, but I do think he's looked off the pace when players have been running at him. He's getting to grips with it, with it, with it, with, it, with the speed of it all. Bruno for me just starts. Joe Linton for me starts, and then it's Elliot Anderson. But you know, if if it if how goes for Tenali, if how even goes for Lewis Smiley, I don't think you'll be getting too many people going. What 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 is he doing? Because every single one of them can put a case forward to start. You mentioned Sean Longstaff as, as well. He might offer that defensive kind of element, which sees him start against Villa. I, I personally think I, I think there's maybe more chance of Longstaff actually starting than Tonali, purely because I just think one we've seen and we saw definitely against Aston Villa at Villa Park earlier this year how much they missed him in the midfield that day. He's so important to this team, and I just think for Tonali we've seen in the past we saw it with Bruno. I know we always harp on about that Bruno example, but sometimes when players come in from different leagues. He gives them a little time to bet in. And I think just watching Tonali, Rangers, he was very, very good. I think Fiorentino on Saturday looked good. But when he's been up against these Premier League teams in America, he just maybe hasn't looked... Well, Villa was the, the prime place. example. Yeah. You know, John McGinn had him for, for breakfast twice. Yeah. And you do fear that happening again on Saturday because what you do not want is Tonali 
having a bad game and, and you know you wouldn't have that would affect him mentally, mentally of course you know he's going to be very strong mentally and everyone has a bad game but you just want his first Premier League game to go off really really well and I just wonder whether he's he's ready to start look it's a great option to have off the, off the bench and it's great to be sitting here saying £52 million summer sign and not guaranteed to start and not because he's done anything wrong but also because you have other players in really, really good form. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think there should be any sort of negativity if he doesn't start. You know, he's here for the future. He's only 23 years old. Um, and as you say, he's walking into that midfield where you've got so many options now. And I mean, there's another option that we haven't even mentioned, and that's poor Joe Willock. I mean, how unfortunate is it that he was playing so well at the back end of last season, starting every game, and he's, you know, missed an entire pre-season where he's, he's maybe... You know, falling out of some people's thoughts. He certainly wouldn't have fallen out of Eddie Howe's thoughts, but um, the quicker we can get him back and up to speed, that's another positive for them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything mentioned about Joe Willock, but I'd be very surprised if he's in, in the squad, let alone the starting eleven for for Saturday. But it's a bigger point, isn't it, when he is fit? It's just another name for Eddie Howe to to have on the team sheet. We've got Peter saying Tenali still needs to dig in. JB says Longstaff hasn't done enough pre-season. Other options are fitter. Les says when we played Villa in the US, Tenali had very limited training with the squad and only, only 45 minutes game time away. I 100% uh, get what you're saying, Les, and happy birthday to you. I've seen the comments. You've mentioned it there. Let's just nail it down then. Your three would be... Um. I think I would. I think I would probably go with your three. I I wouldn't be totally disappointed if Longstaff comes in. I think it's very very harsh if Hansen doesn't start, but maybe Howe doesn't start. But I think I would. I would go with your three: Bruno, Jolin, and Anderson. I agree with uh, who was it that said in the comments there about Longstaff's fitness. Yeah. I don't think anyhow will play him just simply because he hasn't been up to scratch with the preseason because of that injury. Um, the other big dilemma is out on that left, and it's similar to the Tenari uh, dilemma in many ways. You, you've spent a lot of money on Harvey Barnes, and in most teams, that guarantees you a start because you are the big summer signing. You cost millions and millions of pounds, and yet he's not guaranteed to be in that starting eleven against Aston Villa because Anthony Gordon is having a really good summer of it. Now, he scores two against Villarreal, and that probably puts him slightly ahead of Anthony Gordon, I would argue, in, in the pecking order, but not by far. And, of course, we're not going to, you and I and you guys watching, listening, aren't uh, privileged enough to be watching them guys training day in, day out this week. But if Anthony Gordon has a storm of a week in training, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start ahead of Barnes, despite what Barnes did against Villarreal. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, I think with Barnes, it's going to come down to fitness because it was only... You know, less than two weeks ago, where he was, you know, arriving at the club and saying, "I've had a very disrupted pre-season. I haven't played any friendlies with Leicester." He's walking into, by the way, one of the fittest teams in the league under Eddie Howe, and he even admitted and said, "Look, I'm not up to scratch." Now, saying that, I think he's looked very, very good in this team. I think he's slotted in okay. I think he played very well in the in the uh, first half against Brighton in America. Two goals yesterday, taken very well. I think, I mean, that second one as well. We've just been crying out for a left winger that will get in those positions at the back post um, in previous seasons. And I think it just shows exactly why I was signed him. I think that's what sets him apart from Gordon in this discussion. Yeah. Because after the game against Florentina, Eddie Howe said you know, he played really well and he's unfortunate not to get two goals. But Barnes has taken his chance. And yeah. maybe that just just hands it to Barnes because you've got to take your chances. 
Yeah, well, you know, funny enough, I mean, I've seen nothing but nothing but praise for Anthony Gordon over pre-season and what he's done. And, you know, we have to remember that he hasn't actually had a break, which was his decision. He wanted to come back and fight for his place. But, you know, I, as I say, I, I didn't, wasn't at the game Saturday, unfortunately, but I've seen a lot of people on social media since saying, well, you know, he had to be taking those chances. Yes, he was getting in the right position. He was looking sharp, but, you know, and as you say, now you've hit the nail on the head. If he wants to have that starting left spot, he has to start finding goals in the Newcastle shirt because if not, Harvey Barnes will will take that spot and will score those goals. So, but look, you know, again with Gordon, um, we know he can play through the middle. We know he can play on the right. We know he can play a little bit deeper in that in that eight role. You know, he will get his chances this summer, but he needs to really start the season strong. And Graham says for him it'll be Barnes, Isaac, and Miggy. Aaron says front three of Barnes, Wilson. Almiron for definite versus Villa and we will get on to Isaac versus Wilson because that's again another massive positive dilemma for Eddie Howe to, uh, to, to, to take on this week. Uh, JB says when Willick and Longstaff are both up and running we have loads of options for the front six. Peter says he would start uh, Gordon on the bench uh, bring him on the second half versus Villa he's fresh and could give Villa problems mm-hmm. I do worry though the game no, let's not actually not let's not be negative. Let's not be negative. Villa worry me though. Just on a, a point away from the selection for Newcastle, all this summer has been about Unai Emery and the good business that Aston Villa have done, and people are saying, look, they're going to really disrupt the top six. And in many ways, it's it's distracted everyone from Newcastle. I agree with the comments. I think Villa are going to be the surprise package this season, and I'm quite happy in a way that Newcastle can kind of just go under the radar, do what they're doing, bringing in these good players like Harvey Barnes and Tenali. You know, Eddie Howe isn't one of those managers that wants everything shouted from the rooftops. If people down in London writing the columns don't give Newcastle the credit, he's not going to be too fussed because he knows exactly how good his side are and exactly what they can achieve this season. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I agree with, with, with your point about Aston Villa. I think you know everybody knows the job that Emery's done there and the, the wonders he's worked. And I think they've done very smart business. I think you look at someone like Brighton as well, very smart business. They've I know they've lost McAllister, but... If they can keep hold of Sacedo in the middle and they've already added the likes of Jao Pedro and Attack, they're again going to be up there. Adds even more pressure on Newcastle. But, you know, in turn, they've responded with three or four really, really clever deals uh, already this summer. Right. Wilson versus Isaac. Who are you starting? Um, I think I'm going Alexander Isaac. Look good in pre-season. Um, he's been finding the nets. You know, very good on Saturday. Scoring an assistant. I think he gets a nod, but you know, equally, if Wilson starts, you know, are you going to grumble? No, not at all. And you're not going to grumble in, in loads of positions, depending on on whoever he picks, because everyone's performing so well. I do wonder whether Callum Wilson is maybe a bit better suited to the battle with who you assume be Tyrone Mings potentially. Yeah, potentially. Um, it's interesting watching Isaac play against Hunt. You know, he was dropping very deep to get the ball and going on those mazy runs. I mean, the ball just sticks to him. He's an absolute delight to watch and you've got two very different strikers to choose from I think with, with Wilson and Isaac yeah absolutely you have and I think that's the, that's the beauty of it and, and you know there's I mean I don't I know it hasn't been suggested in the comments here but there's nothing to suggest that he starts both of them and Isaac starts out on the left I can't see no I can't see I think I think no I think it's between them two to start up top and one will start on the bench and then it's between Barnes and Gordon I think I think he'll go Harvey Barnes. I think Anthony Gordon's will be very unfortunate, and he'll have to handle that mature with 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 maturity. Um, but I think it'll be Harvey Barnes that starts against Villa. I, I, I'm sort of hoping it is. 
I mean, I, you can't you can't grumble at what Gordon, Gordon's done. He's hard to put a foot wrong. Um, you know, he's looking as confident as we've seen him since he signed. But I don't know. There's just something about Harvey Barnes. You know, the more I watch him, and I know I've only seen him three or four times in Newcastle shit, but you just think there could be something really special here. But the, you know, this is this is the brilliant thing. Whoever, as you say, just like with Isaac and Wilson, doesn't matter who starts. You, you're going to be confident that they're going to go in the game. You're absolutely ready for it. Hello there, Andrew Musgrove here. I do hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just a quick interruption to point you in the direction of our latest live event. Yes, the award-winning Everything is Black and White podcast is going out in front of a live audience once again. We'll be at the Tyneside Irish Centre on Wednesday, August the 30th, and we really hope you can join us. We've got a fantastic panel. We've got the familiar faces in Lee Ryder, Kieran Kelly and Aaron Stokes. BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck once again joins us. And alongside those, we've got the Times' Henry Winter. And what a time to be talking about Newcastle United. Because just 24 hours later, the Champions League draw takes place. And then just a few days after that, the transfer window closes. So we'll be talking about all about Newcastle's summer business. And there's been quite a bit of that so far. And of course, the Premier League season will be underway. So we could be talking, potentially, about Newcastle being top of the Premier League. Who knows? It's a dream worth having now to secure your ticket hit the link in the description do it right now there you go click on through and secure your ticket for what will be a fantastic night we are making a donation to two really important northeast charities the sir boy robson foundation and the newcastle fans food bank you're going to help out those what a fantastic couple of causes we hope to see you on wednesday august 30th let's get back to the show Geordie Toon for Life says a Villa play a high line like they did in the USA. Then Gordon, Isaac and Miggy are must for pure pace. Then we've got Mark saying uh, play Isaac, Wilson and Miggy. See, this is this is the beauty of this. Yeah. Like We're getting so many people in the comments just giving us different options and that is what I was having to deal with. And it is, I'm going to use my favourite word on this podcast, <laughs> it is refreshing to be sitting here not knowing what his starting eleven is going to be against Aston Villa. However, knowing that whoever he picks is going to put in such a top performance, he's going to listen to the manager, he's going to buy into the approach. And, I mean, just just we're just talking about squad depth and he wants to add more to the squad as well. Yeah, look, it, it's like what we touched on at the top of the show. I think you look at that squad as a whole now, the 25-man, and you've got close to two really, really strong Premier League 11s. Um Interesting to hear about what you think about the defence. I know you, you didn't mention it when you said you had your six definites. Is that you hitting that target over Byrne, maybe? Yeah, I think I know I I think he will play Dan Byrne, but I don't think it's a cert. I think we've seen Matt Tyler get loads of minutes this preseason because anyhow really wants to give him a chance. We know there's lots of talk about a potential arrival at left back Ian Teeny. But I don't think you can guarantee Dan Byrne starts against Villa. I think it's more more than likely. But we've seen enough. I've seen enough from Matt Target to suggest you, you, you know he can he can still do a job. Uh, yes, he, he was caught out a few times against Fiorentina. I saw a few people mention that. But for me, I still think anyhow is weighing up who who would play at left back. I've seen quite a few people over the weekend as well saying they want to see Target start against Villa. It's interesting because I don't think, as you say, I don't think that's a position that's nailed on and it's interesting to see how the tides may be turned about that I think a lot of fans at this stage of the summer were probably expecting another left back to be in you know I mean think of how early Kieran Cheney was linked he was probably linked before any player this summer um, which sort of led to you thinking right they're going to definitely go out and get a left back um, 
And then look, centre back. You know, if Fabian Shea isn't fit for Saturday, are you well, going Sells or are you going well, Alex that, Murphy? Well, that's it. And I mean, and the other option is, could you maybe see Dan Byrne oh, playing yeah. alongside Sven Botman? Look, Lascelles played well against Villarreal, and this is exactly why I said we should Newcastle United should keep him, despite what our readers on Chronicle Live uh, said on the survey. You keep Jamal Lascelles because the five, six, seven games he's going to feature, he will do a job, and he proved it again. As he, as he has done every time he's been offered the opportunity, you know, he's looking really strong. So Fabian Scher isn't fit. Of course, we'd like him to be fit. But if he's not, I could see LaSalle starting. <laughs> I mean, Alex Murphy's done really well. You know, those that watch the the academy football will know about Alex Murphy. He's he's tipped for big things. It was a really kind of big statement signing him to get him in over from, from Ireland. And he's kind of come out of, out of nowhere with his performances in the United States kind of enforced really because of injuries and what have you but he hasn't looked out of place like Lewis Smiley like Elliot Anderson he has not looked out of place but Eddie I was asked about it against after the game against Fiorentina asked about what the future holds for Murphy and he said well now he's in and around it but I got the sense you know if someone comes knocking with a loan deal he might be sent out just because it gives him the first team experience and if Fabian Scher isn't fit as good as Alex Murphy has looked, as good as he's done, I can't see him giving the nod ahead of Lascelles. Yeah. Just one thing on Lascelles before we talk about Murphy. I think you know a lot of people mention the fact that he does so much off the pitch and the leadership, and that undoubtedly is one of the reasons that Eddie Howe's kept him around. But also, I don't think it gets mentioned enough how much he's actually improved under Eddie Howe. I mean, he only played a handful of games last year. You know, Manchester City played against at the Etihad, he played against Liverpool, two of the toughest teams in the league, and he was very, very good. I think we're seeing, you know, another player who's actually got a lot better uh, under Eddie Howe, so I think he deserves credit for that. On Alex Murphy, I think he's looked really, really good. I mean, even that Gateshead game, I know it's a, you know, you can't take too much from it, but even when he just came on in the second half of defence, looked so much more shored up. Um, I think he looks, personally, I think he looks... Know, well ahead of Remy Savage in that position. He's versatile. We saw him playing at left-back in some games. I think with him, it depends what they do between now and September. As you say, if Eddie Howe goes and gets another centre-back in before the window ends, I think, OK, try and get Murphy a decent loan deal. Um, if not, I think it's a perfectly good option to maybe have as a fourth or fifth-choice centre-back. And what we're seeing as well with Alex Murphy is that leadership from Kieran Trippier, from Sven Botman, we're talking about leadership. Botman's only 23, and mm-hmm. it's one of the things that he had, you know, pinpointed after the game on Saturday. He said, you know, he had the, the help of help of Botman beside him, and you've got that. I mean, it was it against Chelsea. Uh, I think he came on at left back, did he? And or anyway, and mm-hmm. there was it in Dan Byrne. He made, Murphy made an interception. And I think it was against William Sterling in a Chelsea attack. And Dan Byrne went over and just kind of like just grabbed him and shook him and was like, "Get in, lad!" Like, and it's just them little things that you that you see in this leadership group really come into its own because that you know it's like I say it's literally just a, a pat on the back, but it'll make the world of difference to a young lad. Yeah, it must be fantastic to be a young player in this team and be playing around those players. And but I think you know, I mean, Miley seventeen, Alex Murphy seventeen, seventeen, but even Alex Murphy nineteen. They both look like they've been playing at the senior level for a lot longer than they actually have. Um, well, I was, I, was, I was saying that to someone on Saturday, actually. It's great to have those three involved in first-team football at Newcastle mm-hmm. United and them actually being there in merit 
They're not there just making up the numbers. They're not there because someone's injured or because it's pre-season, you don't want to tire someone out before the season kicks off. They're there because they've earned it. Whereas under the previous ownership, making up the numbers is probably a, a fair way to describe what some of um, the youngsters, no disrespect to any of them, were doing in the in the first team setup. But here, you have three players with genuine talent and you've got more coming through the ranks as well. Well, this is the thing. You know, Alex Murphy is, is going to be the first of many because we've seen such a, you know, an emphasis change by Dan Ashworth to say we need to go out and we need to be getting the best players from Ireland, you know, before they're 18. We need, they've done it in Scotland with MacArthur and Jude Smith. You know, they've gone further afield with Minter this summer, Grand Coal last summer. And the full idea is that these players can initially start in the youth team, go out on loan and eventually give Eddie Howe problems and they've cost absolute peanuts. And I mean, I don't think he probably thought that Alex Murphy would have done it as quickly, but we're already seeing, you know, why so much emphasis has been put on strengthening the youth team as well as the, the senior team. Yeah, tremendous to see it really is. Um, and I mean, other things that, we, that I took away from, from the weekend is just how fit they look. And yes, it was a pre-season game, but they just looked really, really fit and, and, and raring to go. And they're, they're, I mean, they're ready. They are ready. For Saturday against Aston Villa. Yeah, I think I think it was it was interesting listening to Eddie Howe at the very start of the summer. It was the first interview that he gave after, uh, that he gave after they came back from pre season, and he said um, the lads have came back fitter than we anticipated. They've looked as sharp as they did at the end of last season, you know. But that's what we expected from this group, and it just goes to show. I mean, you know, the story that we always tell is that the last game of the season last year was it at Burnley, maybe, and they. Eddie Howe handed out the fitness plans for the summer 20 minutes after the final whistle. Yes, the players were having a little break, but in Eddie's house team, you can't really have any breaks because if you're caught slacking over the summer and you come back, you're out that team. So, yeah, and look, now with these new rule changes in, you know, we're going to be seeing, you know, 100-minute games, 150-minute games rather than 90 minutes. You need to be switched on until the very end, and I think this Newcastle team will be. Just get your thoughts on those changes because Pep Guardiola has been kicking off and I just had to laugh at the end of the day if you, if you want to time waste if you want to go down then you have to pay the penalty I've got absolutely no issue with it at all and yes the games might go run over 200 minutes but hey it's just the way it's going to have to be I don't, you know what it is I thought it was quite refreshing the World Cup and it was a, it was a bit of a change but now that it's coming in the Premier League I don't you know you want to get home for your tea <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking bloody hell these games especially these Champions League games they're going to finish quite late anyway but Look, it, it adds a little bit more jeopardy. As you say, it, it, it tries to discourage teams from, from time-wasting. It's going to be very interesting to see what's like in the Premier League. But yeah, I mean, Pep, if he's not complaining about something, he's yeah. not Pep, is he? Uh, Peter says, Barnes, Wilson and Miggy for the start, see how the game goes. Nick says, Dan Byrne is a good backup for centre-back. Sean says, we need a new left-back. Sorry, but Byrne isn't the solution and target time just found out against Fiorentina, we need to bring a new left back but don't doubt uh, we are now as we are about to sign a right back in Tino Livramento as we mentioned there look, the priority at the start of the summer for many people I, and I think Eddie Howe as well was a, was a new left back things have changed for whatever reason um, obviously they've got that defensive midfield in which was high on the list as well for you Aaron if they start the season just with Dan Byrne and my target if they end the window with just those two are you a little bit worried as time goes on and you you know are you then looking at the January window thinking they have to get someone in within the first couple of weeks um 
I'm sort of on the fence of this one because I think if you know if you I'm sure you did ask me on this podcast you know where my priorities lay at the start of the summer and I think left back definitely would have been in the top three but ultimately I don't want to be too harsh on Dan Byrne and Matt Target because you know know, there's been so much clamour to sign a out and out left back but you've got to remember how well Dan Byrne did at times yes he looks a little bit exposed you know when, when he has certain players ahead of him Matt Target at times maybe just doesn't have the pace to deal with, you know, quick counter-attacks and, and, and attacking wingers. But I don't think it's a real cause for concern if you go into the season with those two. But at the same time, I think if they're going to have one more deal after Tino, I think I would want it to be a, a left-back. Um, Nick says Lascelles is a liability. Sean says I prefer Byrne over Lascelles. Les says I thought Lascelles got caught out more than once um, and doesn't look as fit as he did last season. Alan says, agree with you about keeping the cells but still making mistakes that could cost Pope. Saved them against Villarreal. Uh, Sean says, Alex Murphy looked good. He doesn't agree. says he looked okay. Still got a lot to learn. Um, really, really interesting. I think what we are seeing is Newcastle, especially in the transfer market, maybe not doing everything that they wanted because of financial fair play and just the, the realisation that you, you can't get everything you wanted the first time of asking. So the likes of Lascelles, the likes of Matt Target, the likes of Mancuso, should we say, staying around for an extra few months is maybe not necessarily the worst thing. They'll do a job when called upon and it just means Newcastle can shift the budget to elsewhere as we've seen with Harvey Barnes, with Tenali and now with Tino Livermento. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at that squad now, it's in a very, very good place. I think in terms of the business, they've already done this summer. They've needed a strength to strengthen the midfield. They have. When Alan St. Maxwell, you know, was looking like he was going, they needed to replace him. They've done that. And I think in Livermento, they're getting, you know, a player for the future, quite a good deal if he can find, you know, that pre-injury form. Um, but then I think, you know, it's obvious that, you know, centre-back, left-back's maybe the, the only real place that you left needing to strengthen. Um, and look, there's still three weeks of the window. I'm sure that there's going to be movement. On, in those two positions. And Jake says, Eddie's style of management has created so much competition for each role and most importantly in the midfield. And I do think that's what underpins this Newcastle United squad. I wrote a piece about it last night following the, the Seller Cup victory. And it, it's kind of what I mentioned at the start of the show. You know, the likes of Anthony Gore and Ellen Anson threw down the challenge to Joe Linton and Harvey Barnes and said, look, I've just performed really, really well. You're going to have to come at me and perform even better to have to get to get me out of the start 11 fast and Villa they did that and they'll be doing it day in, day day out this week in training and, and really trying to catch the manager's eye. And then if they don't start, there's no kicking off, there's no sulking. It's just about knuckling down, working even harder, being called upon, doing the job when called upon and then doing even more to force whoever it might be that's in front of you out of the way and yourself into the starting 11. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Jake's comment says is absolutely spot on. I think, you know, a lot of this is down already how not just the players, you know, he's, you know, made it clear from day dot that you've got to fight to be in this team. You know, how many players have come out and said, you know, we've never run this much, we've never been this fit. It's just, you know, the standards that he has at every single level. Um, and I'm just looking forward to the first couple of weeks to see, you know, who who can sort of take this pre-season form into the Premier League. It's going to be really interesting to see, isn't it? John says, is there more confidence about the season to come than before the Salah tournament? We now seem to have genuine strength in depth. Yeah, look, I think I think when you look at the pre-season as a, as a whole, I think they've done really well. And I think, you know, we've spoke a little bit about it on this pod about, you know, 
there's the there's the chance that they get caught out next season. They're going trying to go deep into the Champions League. You know, we've seen it so many times where you know teams focus on Europe and their domestic form suffers. But we've just spent the first you know half an hour of this pod talking about how how much depth they've got. So look, I think I think I'm I'm personally feeling a little bit more confident. I think they've how they were in America against the Prem teams was was very good. I thought they were, you know, they looked good at times. Um, and Saturday, you know, in front of a home crowd, it's, as I said, it's just, it's just got everyone excited for Saturday. I think I think they're going to do well this season. I think I'm I think I'm feeling a lot more confident than I did at the start of the summer. Yeah, and someone did just have a comment there that I was going to read out, and it's totally disappeared. It was about ah, there we go. I knew GB would would arrive when I needed needed them. Uh, John Askew, he's replying to John's question about potentially playing Alexander Isaac in a free role behind Callum Wilson. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it'll happen because of the change of formation. GB has responded by saying, we don't have enough strikers to stop both Isaac and Wilson. I totally agree with that. And I'm feeling confident about the new season. I'm, I can't wait for it to start. I think Newcastle are going to do, do really well. They'll be... Top six, I think, is, is my prediction. I think the Champions League games will test them. And I think we're, we're buzzing about the squad depth, but there will be some bumps along the way. I'd feel a little bit more confident if there was a third out-and-out striker. And we've, I've said it enough times on this pod, but I totally agree with what JB's saying there. I feel like it's just Groundhog Day. I, feel like until, I just want how to sign a third striker now so that we can stop having this debate. Anthony Gordon's a third-choice striker. I'm happy with it. And look... No, I'm 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 happy with it. We can't keep going over this. You're not you're not having a third. No. So you're just right. That's it. So Anthony Gordon fills that spot. There you go, JB. Aaron's uh, Aaron's answered your 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 concern there. Someone else has just mentioned there about Anthony Gordon and how we can feel really unfortunate uh, not to, to potentially start against Aston Villa because of the the great work that Harvey Barnes is doing. Yeah, and Nick got to feel sorry for Gordon because Barnes is definitely starting ahead of him, and Gordon has been really good in pre-season, yeah. but. Newcastle United are a top side. Champions League, they're going to go in the cup competitions as well. They're going to be at the right end of the league. It's just the sign of a really good team. Yeah, look, there's going to be opportunities for Gordon, Anderson, you know, Miley, a lot of these players that might not start on Saturday. You just think how long this season is going to be. If they go deep into one domestic competition in the Champions League, you know, you're going to get close to 50-odd games this season. So... Injuries are going to happen, you know, bad patches of form are going to happen. There will be opportunities for them. Um, it's just about, as you touched on earlier, you know, not throwing your toys out the plan, knowing that the opportunity is going to come. And I think, you know, when it comes to Gordon, you know, he's the only one really in the last couple of months where we've seen that sort of outburst. But I think, you know, he looks like he's got that under control now and he knows, that, you know, what he's got to do to get in this team under hell. And Sean says, I think we may be the most underrated team going into the season yet again. Crazy how many are predicting us around Eighth, Jory Toon for life says, top teams have one main striker and have goals coming from the wide players. Look at Arsenal and Liverpool. And for me, it's not a concern about where the goals are coming from because now they've got Harvey Barnes in. I think he's going to add a bag load of goals. Miguel Almiron, who we've barely even discussed <laughs> because he's such a cert to start against Aston Villa. He has had a fantastic preseason. Really important he's got the goals. I think he'll score against Villa, actually. I think he'll continue that good form well into next season. I'm not concerned about goals coming from midfield. But my concern is these two players in Castle have got up front have a history of picking up injuries. They might not just might just fall out of form. And you're saying, yeah, Anthony Gordon's that man, but he's not an out-and-out striker. 
and that's my concern. That's 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 why I keep mentioning it. No, I get it. I get it. And it's a and it's a fair point. Um, but, but so I just completely lost my train of thought. There, you just bought a thing. You just bought yeah, a meeting. So I've just pushed you know, it because I just thought surely I'm not going to have to write notes about a third striker conversation, given we've discussed it so much. But, uh, you know, Graham says he'd start. Pope, Trippier, Cher, Botman, Target, Jolinson, Bruno, Longstaff, Gordon, Isaac, and Barnes. And I mean, look, there's another start in 11. Like, it's... One, yeah. Oh, do you know what? I've just clocked that, Graham. You're going to have to let us know in the comments. Where's where's Miguel Almiron in there? The man in form, in pre-season. The man who's getting all the goals. Miguel Almiron, if he doesn't start against uh, Aston Villa on Saturday... You'll buy me a Nando's. Do you know what? I was even going to go more expensive than that, but I will buy you a Nando's, right? There you go. I mean, he's going to start. I mean, that's the easiest bet in the world. Right? He's well, going to start. We'll unless he's injured. Oh, hang on. There's caveats. We've already okay, shit Okay, do you know what? There. He's the fittest man in the world. He's starting and he's scoring. Believe me. Uh, yeah, a great weekend for Newcastle. And just, Aaron, I just want to get your thoughts on the commercial benefit of the Seller Cup because we know one of the things a man of Stabling Co found when they came into the club was just how far Newcastle had fallen off the wagon when it came to the commercial side of things. They were so far behind the likes of Tottenham and, and Co, who they were actually ahead of when Mike Ashley first bought Newcastle United. So they've worked really hard. And yeah. You've got Peter Silverstone kind of leading the charge, Darren Eels as well. You sat down with Peter Silverstone last week. How important is the Seller Cup in aid of Newcastle's I, I, I'm not going to say end goal because it'll be a never-ending goal, but you know, just trying to boost the, the pot when it comes to the commercial revenue. Absolutely, I think you know some fans might have looked at this and thought that it was just you know a, a pre-season friendly, but behind the scenes, this was really, really important that they got this right. Um, as you say, they're trying to do a lot more behind the scenes. I think we'll see a lot more of Seller being involved, not just with tournaments, but with you know obviously the fan zone, other events around the city. Um, so yeah, look, as I said, you know, behind the scenes we're really taking this seriously. Um and it's good for all parties. You know, it looked like a very, very good weekend for yeah. everyone that for everyone that went. A few teething problems. I mean the digital system yeah. had its issues, the car machines went down, but I think everyone in in general had had a, a good time. You just have to hope it's all sorted for Saturday. And you're always gonna get those little little hiccups and better to happen now than it is on on Saturday. But it puts Newcastle on the map and it you know, it, it it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next summer and the summer after because we're led to believe right that Newcastle want this to continue for the foreseeable. The teams going to, who are going to come to Newcastle are only going to get bigger and better and that's going to bring in more money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things, you know, Peter Silverson told us last week, you know, one of the questions we asked him firstly was, you know, he, he had such success with the Emirates Cup when he was at Arsenal and that became, you know, a real staple of the, of the summer and I think their plan, you know, hopefully is to do that with the Seller Cup. But also it was interesting that they said they tried to get Champions League teams to take part in the Seller Cup, but because of scheduling and other uh, tournaments around the world, they couldn't. But as Newcastle continue to grow and as you know, they hopefully get a couple of Champions League seasons under their belt, they'll be able to you know host these big tournaments with bigger teams. And I think you know Eddie Howe wanted to play European sides um, as part of his pre-season uh, preparations. Yes, they couldn't get Champions League, but they got some very good teams. I mean. You know, just looking at Villarreal and Fiorentina and Nice in their respective leagues, they're always in and around pushing for the top seven. So um, it, it was good to see that, you know, how got his wish as well as the club, you know, trying to make a bit of money off it as well. Yeah, like I said, not top, top teams, but top teams. Decent in opposition. Fiorentina, eighth and Sarri. I mean, yeah. it's great watching 
the way that the, the gaffer manages on the touchline. I mean, he was on the pitch half the time. <laughs> He's a very angry man. Very angry man. Like, there was one poor chap puts in a cracking challenge to stop an attack. And he just berates him. It's like he's literally stopped Newcastle from going up the end and, and maybe scoring a goal. And he, he's like on the pitch grabbing him. It was a very intriguing watch. Uh, and it's going to be intriguing as well, talking about the touchline, yeah. how Eddie Howe and, and Jason Tindall handle the new rule change because we've got another rule change. I'll tell you what rule change we could have done with UEFA is you could have let Newcastle broadcast the games over the weekend. That would have been helpful <laughs> instead of you know these silly rule changes about not allowing assistant managers or other coaches into the, 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 the box on the touchline. I mean, it's ridiculous. Tyndall must have been chomping at the bits Saturday, was he, to get involved in the action? Do you know what? He was, he was, he was, he was there out of his seat. But, look, I mean, he's, he's just going to have to deal with it, isn't he? Because yeah. he's going to end up getting a, a, a booking. But it is a Stewart's change. I saw somebody on Twitter the other day saying that eventually it'll become known as the Tyndall ruling. That's why it was brought in to stop Newcastle's success. <laughs> it's been really interesting to see how they handle that one. I mean, on Peter Silverstone, what, what was he like? What was it like sitting down with him? Yeah, really, really good to talk to him. Um, you know, he gave us a lot of time on what was a busy morning for him, what with the ticket stuff and, you know, the host of the meetings he had. Um, he spoke a lot about um, the benefits of him going out to America, playing in the Premier League tournament. He also spoke, interestingly enough, about wanting, you know, he wants the Premier League to absolutely, you know, gazump every other league. He said there's no point in, you know, playing Juventus for him in, in America because it's given Serie A, you know, publicity. He wants, you know, he was very hard, uh, happy to take part in the Premier League uh, summer series. Spoke a lot about Eddie Howe um, and how he can try and sort of, you know, as I've said, you know, commercially benefit Newcastle but also benefit Eddie Howe's pre-season. And he feels like they've struck a good balance with that. One going to America two hosts in the Cellar Cup. Um, yeah, just very good to talk to him. You can tell that he's, you know, got vast experience, um, knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and I think the club are in some good hands with him. Good to hear. Uh, we've got Nixon. Joe Linton has definitely become one of the best in the world. He's unbelievable. Jordy Toon for life, amongst many of you guys in the comments watching live, talking about Jacob Murphy. He says, don't forget how well Murphy's playing. He's improved so much on his pace and he does score goals. And yet we had Alan saying Murphy excellent yesterday. Man of the match for me, says Gary. Les saying Jacob Murphy was everywhere. So could he be in with a shout against Villa? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I hope so because it means I'll get Hernandez more than likely. But I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I mean, we, we've we hardly touched on Miggy, really. We've hardly touched on Murphy. We've hardly actually touched on Joel Linton, who was, you know, very, very good yesterday. Because there's just too many good players to talk about now. Uh, pretty much every player under Eddie Howe is improving. Um, but yeah, look, certainly Murphy, you know, just like Miggy last season, sort of saved his Newcastle career. And I don't think there'd be too many complaining if he starts on the weekend or, or at least plays a good chunk of that game. You'd have to start and play some Miggy, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah I think so. Graham's come back and let us know why he wouldn't start Miggy. He says he frustrates. No right foot. That one-on-one -on -one he scored on Saturday, if he scores, he uses his right, always turns back to use his left and slows down. And then he's talked, then he goes on about long stuff. We're talking about Mickey, man. Mickey's starting. I think, I think Mickey starts. Mickey starts. Yeah. Mickey starts with, with ease. Um, you've got a few people asking about the documentary, Aaron, as well, out later this week. It looks very good from what we see in the little trailer. As we know, Lee Red, I was lucky enough to have a ticket to the, the, the Premier and he, he, he really enjoyed what he, what he saw. It's going to be a, a really interesting watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to um, 
Friday when the first episode's released. Very good to see what the inside's like and very good to see behind the scenes. I know there's a lot of it that includes the owners, which is going to be good. You know, it's always good to hear Stavely talking about our vision for the club. Um, I'm yeah. really intrigued to see because last season I noted that they were mic'd up during the game as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the celebration kind of reaction shots and like, you know, if someone's gone close and misses, I hit the post. Or maybe let's say, for instance, Nick Pope getting sent off against Liverpool, like the reaction of Amanda Stavely or Jamie Rubin yeah. in that moment with them being mic'd up, it's going to be really interesting to watch that. And yeah, that, that's out later this week. It's going to be a, um, a fantastic watch. Livermento, Pastors Medical, set the sign. Thoughts on that one? A lot of people are saying, well... What is New- what are Newcastle doing here? Forty million pounds for someone who's not guaranteed to start. Um, yeah, look, I, I did a video about this on on our YouTube channel the other day and, and and spoke at length about why I thought Newcastle United had gone for it. And ultimately, I think if you rewind two years ago and somebody said you're going to sign Tino Livermento for thirty million, I think a lot of people would have snapped your hand off. You know, really, really highly rated, um, despite his relative youth. Um, yes, he might not be a starter, but as we've just touched on, 50-odd games, Q and Trippier cannot start all of those at the grand old age of 32. Seeing a few people um, talking about him potentially playing left-back, I think that's maybe just a little bit of a shot in the dark, given that he hasn't really played there. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure he could fit in there. Um, I'm really excited about this one. I think it's a good deal. I think it shows the club are forward-thinking, not just thinking about, you know, filling the gaps this summer. Um I'm going to make a bold prediction. Okay. People can people can record it and send it back to us next summer. I think he obviously he's going to sign. I think he starts next season as the number one right back. As early as that, really? As early as that. Look, look. We, I'll 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 keep my feet on the ground a bit, but more purely because look, it, it's 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 such an interesting one because if he didn't have that ACL injury, I think we would be talking about him. You know, already probably maybe rivaling Trippier now. There's just a little question mark over him, you know, how fit is he, you know, how is he still going to retain the same um, ability that he did, you know, hopefully, we've, I mean, Callum Wilson is the prime example of two ACL injuries, you know, he's still fine now, even though he picks up little niggles here and there. Um, I mean, because we've got the same concern about you returning to Monday Night Football, don't we? Like, are you going to be at the same level you were after uh, you did yours? Yeah? I'm confident I will, but you never lose it. Uh Harrison Ashby, obviously, he's gone out with Swansea on loan. He's made his debut over the weekend. The championship kicked off. Can you see in time, a couple of seasons' time, perhaps three seasons' time, is it likely to be those two battling one another? Because they're similar age, and, and there's been lots of questions. Well, why have you brought someone in and pushed Harrison Ashby out? And I, I from what I what understand, what I think, from what I've seen, is I do genuinely think in two seasons' time, you will have both those two as the options. And I think Harrison Ashby is only going to get better. I still think he's got a future at Newcastle. A loan deal is really important to just help certify that. Look, I think on paper, if you put in Livermento and Ashby next to each other, Livermento is better. He's done it at a much higher level for a longer time. He looks like he's got more scope to improve. But saying that, I, I think you're right. I mean, look, it's, it's it's too hard to guess maybe what they're going to do three or four years down the line. You know, these players are only 2021. 20, we don't know where Newcastle are going to be in that time period, but it does look like from the outside that's what they're trying to do. You know, two airs to Kieran Trippier. And I think Harrison Ashby needs minutes more than Livermento. You know, Harrison Ashby's never played at a, at a decent senior level. He came from West Ham's youth team, played a little bit in their first team. He hasn't played for Newcastle competitively. Livermento's been there and done it in the Premier League. So I think, I think it's a smart deal. 
Next, we, we, we think Newcastle probably will look to add defensively. Haki Manson is, is probably the one. Um, what do we think about I mean, it's going to cost a lot of money. I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. I felt Newcastle should have signed him before he went to Palace. And obviously not doing so is then seeing the price tag uh, rise. It would be a big statement to get him in, especially given the amount of money they've already spent this summer. Yeah, I think Palace would be asking for you know north of forty million, which is a, a very big outlet when you've a very big outlay when you've already spent you know hundred million plus on three players, and you know you could argue that Fabian Cher and Botman would be a you know perfectly good starting pair. Um, there's striking similarities between him and Cher. You know, very good on the ball, um, very very good passers, very confident. You know, Anderson obviously a little bit younger. Um, Crystal Palace though seem to be doing a lot of business at the back, which makes, you know, certainly some of their fans think, are we maybe going to lose either him or Mark Gay uh, before the end of the month? I think it would be a very good deal, but as I say, my only my only doubt about it is given they've already spent a lot of money, do they need to go out and spend another 40 million to improve that defence? I'm not sure whether they... Whether and, they and as much as I'm a big fan, I do worry as well about his pace. Like, do Newcastle mm-hmm. need to go out and get a pacey centre-back rather than someone who's very good when the ball's coming down towards him, you get his head on it, you know, get a foot in, but he goes up against a pacey striker, you, 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 uh, you do worry. Yeah, that, that's been one of the big concerns for fans over the last few weeks, isn't it? They're saying they need more pace in that back line. I mean, for as good as Byrne, Trippier and Fabian Cheron, you know, they're not getting any faster or any younger. So, um, it's certainly, it's certainly a, you know, not a criticism, but it's certainly maybe a little concern and something they've got to look at. But, um, there's no doubt he's an absolute, you know, he's a top-class operator. Very good for Palace last season. Can you see him going anywhere else positional-wise, or do you think that's the one centre-back that's the one they're going to be targeting? Look, I, th- I think I think it's left-back or centre-back. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought another full-back in after uh, Livermento. I think you look at that midfield now, and I know they've been linked with so many midfielders this summer, but I think Elliot Anderson and Lewis Miley have maybe shut that door. I don't think you need any more. Um, and then, look, there's an argument to be made that they maybe need a third-choice striker or another young one, but... You know, do they see Grand Koala's that, you know, it, you know, next season? Um got Anthony Gordon. We've got Anthony Gordon, exactly. So just a, a final point on transfers before I bring you guys to what you all want, and that's the trivia to end the show. We saw and we're continuing to see with Newcastle in the transfer market, they stick to their guns. I mean, yeah. they wanted to never meant though for a long, long time. Back and forth, I mean, the price doesn't appear to have come down that much at all. But we saw it with Botman, we saw it with a techie, although it didn't come off. They have a pool of players and they don't budge and they just stick, stick and stick. It's it, Again, it's that old word I keep saying. It's just refreshing that they've got a very sensible transfer approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think with I think with Livermento, I think you've got to give credit to Southampton for sticking to their guns. I mean, how many times do you see clubs rolling over when they get dropped down in Southampton and said, no, we want, we want top dollar and... You know they're going to get maybe slightly less than they valued them for, but they're certainly getting a good, um, a good chunk for a, a twenty-year-old. And Newcastle, as we as we said, they've been rebuffed twice for Livermore this summer. They haven't went away, um, and they've got it done at the third time. Third time of asking. Yeah, he should be signing. We would think ahead of the game against Aston Villa. It'll be interesting to hear what he has to say about why he's come up to Tyneside. If you're watching on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up. Helps to get out to a wider audience. Just finally, before we got on that trivia. Because someone did mention to me on Twitter and said, you're going to have to mention this in the podcast. Hmm. Tyler Adams off the Chelsea. Going to be losing sleep over it? Is there going to be some tears? Losing, losing sleep? <laughs> you, you're assuming I'm getting any sleep. 
be a good signing that for Chelsea. Yeah. But I, I mean, how many midfielders do they want? Yeah, I know. I mean, we talk about how good Newcastle look and how you know good their business has been. Chelsea just look an absolute shambles, don't they? Well, I was speaking to someone on Saturday who's a, who's a Chelsea fan, and I said, Pochettino, fantastic manager. But there's so many fires to put out that I don't quite understand why he's gone there. I think it's a massive risk. They just keep buying players. Like with Newcastle, they're clinical, they're straight to the point. They're, they're kind of streamlining in many ways. Whereas Chelsea just seem to think, well, they don't think about who they've got in that position already. They just think, I like that player. Yeah. We'll bring him in. It's, it's, it's a mess. I don't think Chelsea will get in the top six this season. I think last season when, when we saw them struggling and they were just buying players willy-nilly, there didn't seem to be a proper plan. We thought, right, well, surely they're going to have to have a little bit of a calmer summer, you know, this time around. They're going out and spending, you know, replacing players in every every single position, especially that midfield. I know they obviously lost Kante and they lost Kovacic, but it still feels like they've got quite a... Um, they're going to have to build another extension on the extension <laughs> on the extension of the dressing room. Absolutely crazy. Are you ready for your trivia then? Yep. Have you have you looked at my notes? Um, I did try and look at your notes, but your writing's that messy. I didn't get any choice. So. <laughs> right, ladies and gents, if you're watching now, do play along. Um, today's trivia is all about the number 18. Now, I asked you, Aaron, to pick a number between 1 and 30 before you came in, and you picked originally 29. And when I looked at the Newcastle players to worn the number 29 shirt, there was not a chance you were getting any of those players. Okay. I then made you re-pick and you picked 18. So, can you name the Newcastle United players to have worn number 18 all the way back to 1994? I'll give you the, th the three before that then. You had Andy Hunt, Kevin Brock and Steve Guppy. Then we're going to go from 94 all the way up to present day. I can already tell I'm going to struggle. You know what it is? I chose number 18 because it's my birthday and I'm wishing I hadn't now. I mean, hang on, for the record, can I just say I chose number nine first and you told me to re-pick and I can see why now. Um, there's there's two that stick out of my head and I'm not going to go in order here, but Aaron Hughes is one. Aaron Hughes is one, yeah. And um, was Chancellor Member one? He was. That's the two that I had straight off the bat. Um, now. Eight to get. Okay, more recently, um, Fernandez, Freddy yep, Federico Fernandez. Yeah. Okay. Um, Two thousand eighteen to la the start of last season when he when he obviously left. Does anyone have it now? Someone has it now. Someone has it now. Someone has it now. Oh, is there anyone in the comments giving me a hand here? They are, but I don't know. I, I kind of like <laughs> want to block the screen so you can't see because that's look, just cheating because um, instantly you've been given four correct answers there. Okay. Um, who's got it now? Is it an obvious one who's got it now, or is it a... Uh, I wouldn't say obvious. Plays very little. little. I'm going I'm to need a hint for some of these. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't often see him in this shirt because he tends to be in the stands wearing big, long, really expensive coats that look absolutely horrific. But no, you know, Yeah. Sorry, look, <laughs> the, only the only reason I got that is because I know how much you take offence to Carrius' I mean, you've got all sense. that money and you're wearing these really horrible coats. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Sorry, so, sorry. Sorry. Look, I, you know what I I wouldn't have got that. I didn't know he was number 18. Um, I think the entertainer's here. Someone that absolutely taught the Champions League for one game in particular. Do you know? No, he was 11. Do you know No, he was 14. For one game, I think the other flank, other flank. Um, Gillespie. 
Oh, Keith Gillespie. Gillespie. Then you have, you now, I don't think anyone's going to get this actually. Okay. You have a striker who went on to be a very good Premier League striker, but he was on loan at Newcastle for one season. In fact, it might not even be in the full season. He scored a header, I want to say in the FA Cup. I'm sure it was against Coventry, where he headed into the ground and bounced up over the keeper. He went on to play for Manchester United, Tottenham, Fulham. Uh, Louis Sohar. Louis Sohar, there we go. Right, you mentioned Aaron Hughes. It appears, yeah. and I didn't know this, that he was shifted off that number 18 shirt for one season okay. for a man who was only here for one campaign, midfielder. I want to say he's Argentinian, but he might be Uruguayan. I think he's Argentinian. Acuna? No, no. He was number six, I think. Yeah. Not Viana, because he was 45. Christian um, Basidas. Then... Back to Hughes, and then you go to a central defender who was here for a couple of seasons. Boom song. He's number eight. Andy Fay. Now I'm going to try and guess. I think it was number 14. Um, defender who was here for a couple of seasons. Rosenau, or he was 14, wasn't he? Australian. Oh, uh, Moore. Craig Moore. Craig Moore. And then you've got a man who is a Newcastle United legend. Absolute legend of a man. A legend in the number 18 shirt. And yeah. Was he in the 18 shirt for the full time? Yes. From 2008 to uh, 2015, 16. Shut up. Yes. And he's in the 18 yeah. shirt the full time. You may see him climbing walls and swinging from buildings, fighting crime. Oh, bloody hell, Joe. That's good. Yes. Bloody hell. <laughs> look on your I face. I was thinking... To be fair, that's bad. that that should have been the first one. Is that it? Is that and it? just finally, there's there's one more. You had a, a striker who was quite prolific, came in on loan. Uh, his brother was better, but also didn't quite make it at Newcastle United. No one, no one. Don't know. Luke Dijon. Oh, of course. There we go, ladies and gents. Let me know in the comments how you think Aaron did there in that trivia. We got the most of them, but I mean, we got people. Uh, Paul Dummett was he 18? Paul Dummett, not according to transfer market. Uh, the Mighty Wind says the number nines are harder than you think. We might do the number nines next time in that case. But thank you very much for taking part in this. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. I've been Andy Musgrove. Alongside Aaron Stokes, please hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube and give the video a thumbs up and share it amongst your cast and supporting friends and family. <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Those listening on the podcast later, thank you as always. And get your tickets to our live event, August 30th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Times Henry Winter, the BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raysbeck joining our chronicle panel here. Perfect time to talk about Newcastle United the day before the Champions League draw. The window, transfer window will close a couple of days after and of course the season will be underway so come along. Tickets are absolutely flying out. We would love to see you. Head over to the website for all the latest Newcastle United news and from myself and Aaron we'll see you guys very soon.